0: You're listening to The Exchange. Here's today's show.
1: Well, thank you, Scott. And hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. I am Brian Sullivan. All right. Bringing in Biden, go big or go home. And big banks, boost the bottom line. It is a triple play on big news to begin your week. We're going to find out what the key bits really are a run-up into results. Banks posting a big rally ahead of earnings and now investors are asking themselves, is that all they got? Or is there more? Top investor Anton Schutz is here. Plus, the first of the Fangs reports, something called revenge spending is hot in China and what investors say is the biggest market bubble right now. Can you guess? I'm sure you can. All right, there is a lot to do on this Tuesday, so let's kick it off with the man himself, Dominic Chu, with more numbers and a little look At inflation, it's a very interesting chart today, Dom, but we would expect nothing less.
2: A lot of inflation happening in the markets right now, and it's being driven by large cap technology stocks. Just take a look at the Nasdaq Composite right now near the highs of the session, far outperforming the other major indexes here. The Nasdaq Composite up almost one and a third percent, 13,166 the last trade there. And it's being led by Netflix and other FANG stocks. Remember, Netflix reports results after the closing bell today. It could help set the tone for that big mega cap technology trade that has been lagging as of very recently. That's one to watch. Now, you mentioned inflation. We are seeing an uptick in inflation expectations and a notable level right now. This is the 10 year break even inflation rate. It's basically instruments in the treasury market, both inflation protected and regular normal treasury notes and bonds. The difference between those rates gives you an idea of what inflation expectations could look like on average over the next 10 years at the pandemic lows back in March. It was about 0.5 percent now. It's closer to 2.1%. And by the way, that's the highest level since October of 2018. So a lot of folks in the investing world betting on higher inflation through the treasury market, that's one to watch. And speaking of those inflated prices, check out these three stocks. We're talking about Chewy, Pet Food Delivery, Peloton, Online Exercise, Fiverr. All of these stocks have a tremendous runs over the last year. And each one of them is getting downgraded to a sell rating by analysts over at UBS. They think that the expectations are just so high for these stocks right now. They all go to sell. But each of these three stocks indicative of that pandemic trade, Brian, they've had massive runs. Now's the time for profit taking. That's what analysts at UBS say. We'll see if that plays out in the coming weeks and months. Brian, back over to you.
1: All good companies, but yeah, high valuation. Hey, quickly, Dom, a follow-up. You, know, you, look at, you look at inflation. When I'm looking at my screens here, any commodity, corn, wheat, soybeans, steel, cotton, platinum, platinum, whatever it is, I just combined six words into two, by the way, everything is higher in the last month or so. As a former fund manager, would you be looking at tips? I didn't say chips. I don't mean John and Punch.
2: Tips, treasury inflation-protected securities. That's part of the reason or the calculus behind that 10-year break-even rate that I showed you. There's a huge demand right now, a bid for some of those inflation-protected securities, and that's what's driving a lot of that gap in expectation, right? This expectation for higher prices down the line. If you look at this overall picture right now, there could be an argument made that that inflation-protection trade has gone very far, very quickly. It could be due for a bit of a pause right now, but it's notable I'm a person, anecdotally, who drives to work every day. Many of our viewers out there know it, Brian. Since the end of March, I've been commuting to New Jersey from Connecticut every day. I know how much I pay for fuel. And, yes, I can tell you, fuel costs have been steadily on the rise during the entire pandemic. And I'm now paying more than I have at any point over the course of the last almost year at this stage, Brian.
1: Yeah, gas prices are up. By the way, the hottest of the hot commodities the last 90 days is hot rolled steel. It is hot up 66%. Dom Chu, we'll see you in a bit. Thank you very much. All right, there are a couple of key catalysts that are driving the markets today. We've got a change at the top in Washington. You might've heard about this. We've got an inauguration 24 hours away and a new president. Treasury Secretary nominee Janet Yellen testifying on the Hill and the Senate and saying, quote, we need to act big with regards to the next COVID spending package. And by the way, Senator Ron Wyden, who is about to become chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, has just said that the panel hopes to get the Yellen nomination to the Senate floor for a vote by Thursday. Meantime, back on the street of dreams, you got earnings for the big banks rolling in, and the first of the fangs is set to report tonight. That is Netflix. A lot to talk about. Let's welcome in Jeff Krumplman, Chief Investment Strategist for Mariner Wealth Advisors, and Angela Mwanza, Private Wealth Advisor, for UBS, Angela, what is top of mind on that list or maybe something that we didn't talk about for you and your team?
3: Well, top of mind, I've got to say Janet Yellen because I always say when I grow up, I want to be Janet Yellen. She is the first woman Fed chair, uh, first woman treasury, assuming she's confirmed. Uh, she's going. You know, she, she, she's a known entity. She's a good bet. Um, and I think she'll be very measured and she'll work well with the, with the Fed. I think this is really important because what happens next with the fiscal stimulus is really our bridge to normalcy. If we get a decent package through, and yes, we do have a, a little bit of a majority in Congress, um, but I don't know if we'll get a 1.9 trillion dollar package, maybe 500 billion to a trillion. Uh, but that should get us to to that 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 pathway, get us over that bridge until we see normal uh, activity and a pickup in, in in corporate earnings. So I've got to put my money on Janet Yellen. Um, I'm I'm very excited to see her uh, uh, hopefully confirmed soon. And I think markets are responding. I mean, dollar weakness, you saw Treasury ten-year Treasury yields up, and stocks are up through the roof.
1: Is there Angela a number at which the market may respond? negatively i think the market has probably priced in one and a half 1.3 trillion as maybe a bottom level one nine would be great in terms of you know is there a number where the markets would be sizably disappointed
3: i think if we see south of say 500 billion um all that all that we've heard from the federal from the Federal um, Reserve Chair last week, and also from Janet Yellen today, has been saying we have very low interest rates right now. Uh, it behooves us to to overspend rather than underspend. And I think just de- de- depending what's in that package is going to determine whether it's going to get, going to get passed. If there's a lot a lot around infrastructure, I think that's something that's very bipartisan. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or around the vaccine and making sure we have. Um, equitable dissemination of the vaccine, uh, and that we don't have vaccines going bad in the, in the back of, uh, in the bottom of someone's basement. Um, I think that's going to be that's going to be key. Uh, how they break it down and and make it more something that that is, um, you know, bringing a little harmony across the aisles and and setting the right tone.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly, some countries. Look at the list; they're not getting hardly any, or they're not vaccinating people. The U.S. is doing very well compared to most countries around the world. Jeff, I'll I'll come to you on that. And following up, we talk about the consumer and maybe a consumer boom, but there could also be a renewable energy boom. And I would assume when I look at your stock picks, that's why you're recommending Albemarle, the world's biggest lithium producer.
4: Yeah, I think that uh, Albemarle is is not a traditional pick. So this is lithium that would be used for electric cars. Um, And kind of in a new economy, as opposed to focusing on fossil fuels. We've liked it for quite some time because we think that's where, you know, the growth is headed. Secular growth name in you know, the new economy that includes 5G artificial intelligence and, yes, advanced driving and electric cars. Um, And we also think that it is a play that is cyclical in nature, but supported by secular uh, growth and economic recovery in the United States. And, and globally. So to focus on that, uh, th- that's the, the rationale behind Albemarle for sure. But we do have a positive view on the economy as we recover, the stimulus that you all have been talking about, and that being mm-hmm. a key component of our expectation for six to maybe double digit growth in the S&P 500 um, over the, the coming year.
1: Do you also like healthcare names? We all, we've only focused on the pandemic. For good reason, for the last nine to 10 months, Jeff, we still have cancer. We still have diabetes. We still have a lot of horrible things that are taking lives. Are there biotechnology companies that you like that will get the, once the pandemic is over, and it will be, we'll go back to talking about other nasty diseases that we've got to solve.
4: Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up. uh, We do like healthcare. Uh, Within technology, one of our recent picks is Viva, which actually uh, has uh, the the largest CRM share. Uh, Really, this is software applications, cloud applications for healthcare companies. And Viva Vault is software application that's used to run these drug trials for vaccinations um, and and more traditional therapies. But uh, we like Mm -hmm. the IBB in general, which is the biotech ETF that broadly uh, owns various biotech companies. And yeah, we think that's part of the story in this this coming year. So cyclical stocks are great, but these growth stocks, you don't have to go to FANG. You can get growth in these other areas as well. Well said, too.
1: And unfortunately, I think we're going to have a lot of things we're going to have to deal with when this is all over. Jeff Krumplman, Angelo Mwanza, great discussion. Thanks to you both. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks. So if you're looking to maybe go overseas for some investing ideas in 2021, even if you can't actually go overseas just yet, Morgan Stanley is out with a new note detailing what they call clear investment opportunities in Europe. You can find all the details and their picks at CNBC.com pro. But what about opportunities here in the United States? As the new administration and the rollout of vaccines bring some reason for hope and optimism, should we look at maybe commercial real estate in certain parts of the country? And if so, where? Joining us now is our friend Don Peebles, chairman and CEO of the Peebles Corporation Don, it's great to chat with you again. It's been a while between you and I, and I know you've talked to Kelly. Uh, Listen, you're in Miami, you're in New York, you're in D.C., and Boston and others, but very different markets. Are you poking around New York for maybe some bargains to pick up, or do you think New York's in trouble for years to come? Don is either really good at standing perfectly, exactly still, or we've just got to do a little bandwidth issue. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna fix Don. We're gonna take a short break. We're gonna come back and talk to Don. That's how it works. Coming up, more Don or some Don, plus big tech under Biden. Will it be another big boom or regulatory bust? We're gonna dig in. Plus a new Deutsche Bank survey shows global money managers say there is one asset that it may be an extreme bubble territory. Got the results, and why the energy industry may be smiling a little bit today for unexpected reasons. Stick around.
5: This is The Exchange on CNBC. All
1: right, welcome back. Well, with us now is some Don. Don Peebles, chairman and CEO of the Peoples Corporation. Don, it always is better to have some Don than no Don. So we appreciate that we fixed your technical issues. Welcome. Now you know my first question. So I'm going to ask you a totally different question. What do you okay. see nationwide happening with commercial real estate over the next 12, 24, 36 months?
5: Well, look, retail was already disrupted by technology, and we're going to continue to see disruption because American consumers have grown accustomed to online shopping in a very big way. And so retail is going to continue to struggle, and there are going to be large closures of shopping centers and repurposing of a lot of retail, even as much as you look on Rodeo Drive and Wilshire Boulevard and Beverly Hills or Fifth Avenue in New York City. So that's going to continue to struggle nationally. Um, Hospitality is going to struggle in terms of group business and in terms of transient corporate travel will struggle over the next two years. But you'll see a very rapid rebound for leisure hospitality. So that would be Miami, other tourist destinations around the US and around the world as the vaccine continues to be distributed and we get out of COVID. And then residential, um, by and large, with the exception of New York City and probably Washington, D.C., to a degree, has held out pretty well. Um, you can look at Boston. It's held out pretty well as well. But Miami and South Florida, Palm Beach County, Miami-Dade County, Broward County are on fire. And those markets will continue because there's a, a reduction and a shortage of supply and inventory right now across all residential sectors.
1: I guess the question is, and I think you are in Miami right now, Donna, I think the question is this, and by the way, you and everybody else, um, how much of this is transitory? I know of a couple financial firms, some bigger, some smaller, some mid-sized, that are looking to move their real or maybe their tax or functional headquarters to Florida. But is this a one or two year thing and then everybody kind of migrates back to where they were? Or do you think, when you pack up and leave New York, New Jersey, you're gone and you're not coming back.
5: Well, look, first of all, I'm ha- I happen to be in Wellington, Florida, which is a part of Palm Beach County. My daughter's a big horseback rider. So that's where I am. And things are open here. Um, I don't think that it's short term. I mean, New Yorkers and other um, businesses and entrepreneurs from high uh, tax states have been coming down to South Florida for several decades. And after uh, salt uh, restrictions, um, it accelerated in the diminishing quality of life um, in the New York City and other areas, uh, propelled more people to come to South Florida. So I think what you'll see is businesses and entrepreneurs shift more of their business activities down to South Florida and also more and more will become mm. residents of South Florida and uh, for obvious tax reasons. But they'll keep a presence in New York City and other places around the country that are in the higher tax area. But you're seeing more Californians actually coming to Florida as well.
1: By the way, Don, and this is not a statement on the virus or people or political, because everything you say around the virus or any state's actions becomes a political dialogue. I know people that have gone from California to Florida because, as you said, Florida is open. You can go out to eat. And by the way, the COVID stats are about the same for Florida and fully closed California. Not a statement, just numbers. And I think you're, gonna, you're seeing people come into Florida. The question is, how long does that capital last? It sounds like you are a, if not a Florida marlin, a Florida bull.
5: Yeah, I am. I believe Florida will continue to grow. South Florida has, if you look at the past three decades, it has grown phenomenally. It'll continue to grow, especially as the infrastructure for the cultural arts, restaurants, educational facilities overall will continue to develop here and you'll see a continued expansion of quality of life and living in South Florida is now an acceptable thing for younger people who are early in their careers looking for opportunities. And it used to be that you had to be in New York City or other major cities to capitalize on job opportunities. No more.
1: Very quickly, on politics, uh, We have an inauguration tomorrow, new administration. Um, We do. Are you hopeful? You think we're gonna see some healing in this country?
5: Very much so. I mean, Joe Biden has been someone who's worked across the aisles for nearly five decades. He is a person of impeccable character. If you ask others on the Republican side of the aisle, Lindsey Graham and others, they will tell you that there's no more honorable person than Joe Biden. He's certainly immensely qualified to be president with the breadth of experience that he's had. So I would look for a much different change, in a ter- a terms of tone. I would see a dramatic change in terms of rapidness of response to COVID and other elements. But I think the tone will change significantly. But by the way, it's not gonna go away because a lot of Americans do feel left out on both sides. And until uh, the country figures out a way that we can address some of these more structural problems within our society, we're gonna still have this divisiveness, but it will not be as extreme because it will not be fanned and fueled uh, from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue.
1: Yeah, that is good to hear a little optimism. Don Peebles, always a pleasure. Enjoy Florida, by the way, Don, I wish I was down there with you. Maybe I will go. Don, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, from Real Estate and Politics, to technology and politics. When president elect Joe Biden takes office tomorrow, his administration faces a number of big issues. Now, outside of the pandemic, of course, few of them may be bigger than what to do about big tech. Does it need more regulation, different regulation? And if so, what kind? Is it the velvet glove or is it the iron fist? Shares of most of these tech names, they've been down lately as investors either rotate out of them or get worried, like in Twitter's case, About more regulation. Here to break down big tech's future under the Biden administration is Deirdre Bosa and Danny Fortson, Sunday Times West Coast correspondent and host of the podcast, Danny in the Valley. Deirdre Bosa, first to you. What are you hearing? What are you expecting? Is job one from the Biden administration with regards to big (laughs) tech?
0: The short answer TBD, right? But how I would describe the relationship perhaps is. Biden's relationship with big tech is cozy, but far from comfortable. Um, Biden is reportedly looking at a number of Candidates who have actually worked with big tech have experienced, whether as consultants or lobbyists, to go into the administration or at agencies, for example, looking at a woman reportedly who consulted on Amazon's Whole Foods deal, uh, more than $13 billion acquisition to potentially lead the antitrust unit at the DOJ. So that raises some questions. However, the momentum that has been achieved over the last few years in terms of Cracking down on big tech and you know alleged anti-monopoly power, it has taken off, and I think that no matter how many um, people he has that have relationships with big tech, you cannot stop the momentum. And Brian, you showed some of the performances of big tech over the last few weeks and months, and they have been underperforming. So regulation, it may not be this sort of bang, break up the big tech companies, but it could be slow moving like it has been in Europe. That doesn't mean that it's not coming.
1: Yeah, Danny, listen, the European regulations, they are a lot tougher. I've actually read something like Google has paid $10 billion in fines in the U.S. and and EU over the last number of years. 10 billion. I mean, these are big numbers. Do you think that kind of hammer is coming or do you believe that a lot of big donors to the Democratic Party come from California and that they're ultimately going to kind of leave them alone?
6: No, I don't think they're going to leave them alone. I think job one, if there is to, you know, uh, as you just pointed out, there's so many ways that uh, Washington is looking at reigning in big tech, but I think job one is very clearly going to be section 230, which I know many of your viewers probably know what that is, but for those who don't, it's this immunity shield they've enjoyed for 25 years. And if you cast your mind back a quarter century ago, 10% of Americans even had an internet connection. Uh, but so, you know the world has changed dramatically, um, and if you just look at this from a product product liability point of view, you know if you go to McDonald's and have a bad burger, you can sue them. If you have a pharmaceutical yeah. company making so, let Danny. Medic- Danny, let me jump. Consume. Let me jump in. Let me jump
1: in. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in because I want to jump yeah. in because it's a very important point. But I want to I want to hone it down a bit. Section 230, and I'm gonna very generalize it. Effectively makes technology companies either publishers and are responsible for what goes on their platforms or not. You're in the media, I'm in the media. We are responsible for what goes into the newspaper and on our air. Do you believe, and maybe you'll dodge this one, that Facebook is a (laughs) publisher?
6: Yes, absolutely. And I think that's what, if you look at what's happened in the last uh, session of Congress, more than 20 bills were proposed to overhaul section 230, which is all about bringing in some accountability for what appears on their pages. And, of course, none of those passed because the Democrats and Republicans are coming at from the opposite ends of the spectrum. But now we have a Democratic-controlled Congress. Of course, Biden coming to the White House. Section 230 overhaul is coming. There is going to be some new accountability regime. What that looks like will be the subject of furious lobbying going right now
1: uh, on in Washington. So, and, Deirdre, Brian, even in the digital I, I agree age, with... people—go ahead.
0: I was going to say, okay, that may be task number one, but I disagree with Danny in terms of will anything ever happen? Will we actually get this overhaul? I am much, much more skeptical because Um, As he mentioned, two different sides of the aisle are looking at Section 230 in completely different ways. How do we ever get consensus? And when you really dig into it, it actually means, many would argue, more censorship. And it could potentially give an advantage to the big guys like Facebook and Twitter. But Facebook in particular, that already has this sort of army of, you know, content editors and people who can, you know, pull down things. When the other smaller guys, they certainly don't have um, that kind of power
1: yeah, but 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 I but I think that the, the the riots on Capitol Hill, Deirdre, opened up a whole new can of worms. Both sides are saying, "Well, you can't just post stuff about going after this or going after that, and here's where we're going to meet." I mean, free speech does not matter when it comes to
0: yeah, but starting they're, they're violence. going after. I mean, there is a Twitter, there is a limit to they're free going speech. After- they're going after Twitter and Facebook. They're not going after some of the smaller guys like Airbnb and Yelp and Expedia and Wikipedia. And those are the companies that are going to be hurt if Section 230 is repealed. Right, Danny?
6: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, the, that's why the, nothing has happened so far, because you have to do this very, very carefully. Because to your point... Uh, what you don't want to do is, you know, empower the law of unintended consequences here. And I would just make one note. Beware of a yeah. chief executive begging for regulation, which is what has been happening over the last yes. year, two years. Mark Zuckerberg all of a sudden is saying, you know yeah. what, we do need regulation because he knows it's harder. It's going to make it harder unless you do it in a very smart way for rivals. And to also
1: if, if if his lobbyists have a hand in crafting That legisl I loved as a teenager. Oh, Dad, just take my car for a week because I didn't want him to take it for two weeks. Dear Jabosa, Danny (laughs) Fortson, we got a long way to go in this discussion, but but sadly not today. It's like a Yelp review, short and sweet. (laughs) Guys, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, on deck. As some say, it is quality, not quantity. Why banks' numbers may not be all they seem to be. Even as Goldman Sachs shares just continue to print money for investors, not today, but they're up big lately. Plus, the Biden administration widely expected to cancel the Keystone XL pipeline. We'll look at some of the potential winners and losers from that decision next.
7: Welcome back, everybody. I'm Sue Herrera. Here's your CNBC News update at this hour. Mitch McConnell, the top Republican in the Senate, has made his most public rebuke of outgoing President Donald Trump and the rioters who stormed Capitol Hill.
5: The mob was fed lies. They were provoked by the president and other powerful people. And they tried to use fear and violence, but we pressed on. We stood together and said an angry mob would not get veto power over the rule of law in our nation, not even for one night.
7: Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says China's policies against some Muslim and ethnic minorities constitute genocide. He is also announcing new U.S. sanctions against China less than 24 hours before President-elect Joe Biden takes office. And former pharmaceutical CEO Martin Shkreli has been denied compassionate release. Shkreli claimed his mental health had suffered due to tighter confinement rules designed to combat COVID-19. You are up to date, Brian. That's the news update. I'll send it back to you.
1: Yeah, not a lot of sympathy on that. I think, by the way, wherever you are, being locked down can hit your mental health during the pandemic. That's Very what's true. going on with everybody, right, Sue? So, yep, absolutely. It's, mental health, is a r- real concern. Absolutely. Especially for the kids. Sue, thank you very much. You got it, Brian. All right. Also happening today, some big news in the oil and pipeline sector. The Biden administration is widely expected to ban the controversial Keystone XL pipeline project immediately upon taking office. That story first reported by the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. The KXLS, that is is known as the pipeline that comes down from Canada has been in the works for 15 years. It would cut a shorter route, the yellow line there, across Montana, South Dakota, and Nebraska. The pipe was going to carry about 830,000 barrels a day of Canadian oil to the U.S. Gulf of Mexico. Environmentalists and others have been trying to stop the project for years. The company behind Keystone, Canada's TC Energy, formerly known as TransCanada, has reportedly been desperately trying to convince the Biden administration not to scuttle the project by doing things like pledging huge investments into renewable energy and making sure that indigenous peoples have a financial stake in the project. The decision to cancel the Keystone could cause some tension between Canada and President-elect Biden, as Canada has already spent about a billion Canadian taxpayer dollars on the project. Meantime, here in the States, U.S. oil companies are probably likely happy about the decision because it potentially removes the threat of more Canadian oil coming to U.S. refineries. Another potential winner here are the railroads, in the past few years, Canadian oil exports by train have more than doubled. With the Keystone XL likely going away, Canadian oil companies will have to turn back to trains to get most of that oil into the US. A real decision on the Keystone could come as soon as Joe Biden's first day as president of the United States. Something to watch. Well, from streaming oil to streaming video, Netflix's numbers are out after the bell. Plus, is Bitcoin bubblelicious? and getting paid to be vaccinated. You heard that right. It's all coming up on Rapid Fire. We're back right after this. Dow up 154. Get ready for some big time earnings. Is Bitcoin in a bubble? Vaccination Nation. It's something called revenge spending is blowing up in China. It is time for rapid fire. Here now with their takes, Robert Frank, Julia Borston, and Michael Santoli. All right, first up, Netflix. They report their numbers after the bell. This comes as it's facing heaps of new competition in the streaming space. Now, the stock is higher today, but it's kicked off the year with back-to-back negative weeks. That's the first time that's happened. since all the way back in October. Still about 13% away from its all-time high set in July. Julia Borston. Talk to us about expectations and more competition, including the newly rebranded CBS All Access.
8: So much new competition, Brian. Some of it more direct competition, some of it more niche. Of course, there's Discovery Plus, there's Disney Plus investing so much more in original exclusive content. We just got another announcement from Viacom about Paramount setting a schedule for when it'll be launching its direct to consumer streaming service. But, Brian, for Netflix, it's always about those subscriber numbers. The company forecast that it would add 6 million new subscribers in the fourth quarter. They, then the big question is what they will forecast for the first quarter. Analysts are looking for 8.4 million new subscribers in the first quarter. So those are the numbers, I think, Brian, that could really impact where the stock moves this afternoon.
1: Yeah, and Michael Santoli, how much, if at all, does Netflix matter to the market as a whole? You know, it doesn't necessarily
9: act as as a bellwether, a leading indicator of where the overall market's going, but it has been one of the great stocks of the last decade, up 2,000%. But what's really fascinating is, so the stock's gone nowhere for seven or eight months. Uh, Over the course of the last, let's say, seven or eight years when it was really the streaming era, it has had three of these periods where the stock went sideways For more than a year and then started ramping up again. So it does tend to consolidate those gains. Investors kind of, you know, revise and reset their expectations. And I think right now it's lost a lot of the scarcity value because you can buy Roku, you can buy Disney Plus to play streaming TV. But Netflix, Mm -hmm. as the incumbent, has yet to prove that it's kind of losing uh, the growth edge just
1: yet. All right, well said. Let's move on. Topic number two, the Chinese luxury goods market, apparently benefiting from what some people are calling revenge spending with the drop in international travel mainland china doubled its share of the global luxury market growing its sales by 48 percent more than 50 billion puts them on track to be the biggest market for luxury by the year 2025. robert frank I- i'm afraid to ask what exactly is revenge revenge against the lockdowns of the pandemic
10: yeah revenge against the lack of ability to go out and spend especially on luxury and look brian When was the last time a single country doubled its market share of an entire global industry? Now, maybe the U.S. did with oil. You would know that better than I did. But in one year, China's share of global luxury spending went from 11% to over 20%. Now, China's always been important to luxury spending, but now China is luxury growth for the future. If you're a company that hasn't solved China, you're just not going to survive in luxury. So you look at LVMH, you look at Richemont, you look at Kering; those are companies that have done well. You look at companies like Prada, Burberry that have not solved China uh, and they're not doing well. So China is going to be the litmus test for luxury companies this year and next year.
1: Yeah, Julia Borston, you're there in, in lockdown central, all right? Southern California. California's got some of the toughest controls out there. The pandemic is going to end whether it's in a couple of months or a little bit longer we don't know but it will end you think this could happen here is all this pent-up frustration and demand and just urge to get out is just going to explode in the second half of the year
8: well i think a lot of people are making purchases uh during this pandemic and we've seen that with certain e-commerce trends but brian my real question is Once the lockdown ends, once people can travel again, how is that going to impact things? Whether the Chinese market, is that going to change once those consumers can travel internationally? Will they be putting their money towards a big international trip rather than buying a luxury good? Mm -hmm. And I think the same question is here. How are people going to be spending their money in different ways, maybe not investing in the fancy cashmere sweatpants and instead Uh, you know, spending some money on on an overseas trip instead. So I think that's a question that will impact the Chinese market as well as the domestic one.
1: Travel going to, people who travel are going to travel. I made a prediction, Julia, that Vegas will be sold out entirely one weekend in September. Every single room will be sold out. You can count on that. All right, next up. It is a question that everybody seems to have a hot take on. Is Bitcoin in a bubble? Well, it may be, don't at us, if you believe Deutsche Bank's monthly investor survey, the firm asked its investor base to look at assets using a scale from zero for no bubble to team 10 for extreme bubble across nine different investments. Now, half of their investors surveyed gave Bitcoin the maximum 10 out of 10 bubble rating, pushing it to an average score of 8.7. Only the West German judge gave it a two. The next highest was U.S. technology stocks, the lowest, by the way. We're European stocks at under a four. Meantime, Bitcoin's continuing to climb back toward forty thousand. The markets, they don't care. Michael Santoli, we all people hate it. You say Bitcoin in bubble, but these are real investors surveyed by by Deutsche Bank. What do you make? of their results.
9: Well, if you ask a bunch of people, most of whom either don't own any of this thing that has quadrupled in five or six or seven months uh, and, or don't have enough of an allocation to it, ask them if it's a bubble and there's no real fundamentals to point to, you're gonna get a lot of affirmative answers. So I think part of it is the construction of the survey and the fact that Bitcoin seems not really tethered to much of anything except in the short term, for crowd psychology. But I also think you have to really have a higher threshold for what we're calling a bubble. You know, if you look across those other asset classes, to me, a bubble is something that has a very high likelihood of crashing well more than half in value. I mean, you've got to be going down 60 or 80 percent like the Nasdaq did after 2000 uh, to start calling it a bubble. And I don't think a lot of those other things, including U.S. tech stocks, probably hold up to that definition.
1: That's well said. Construction of surveys always key. Robert Frank, though, I think the strongest bull case argument, imagine if there's only 21 million pieces of art or bottles of wine or whatever cars that will ever exist in the world's history. And there's a lot more millionaires than that. That kind of is the bull case for just ultimately super fixed supply and huge demand.
10: Yeah, no, that supply-demand equation is exactly why all those asset classes that you just mentioned have gone up. But this bubble talk reminds me of this great story on CNBC.com over the weekend where they asked millionaire investors, is the U.S. stock market a bubble? Most of them said yes, but they also said they would also continue buying stocks and are bullish on stocks. So just because you think something is a bubble right now, as Mike just said, you think it's going to crash eventually. But you don't know when. And when it comes to Bitcoin or the stock market, there are these surveys that show, yes, it's a bubble, but I'm going to keep buying and it could keep going for much longer.
1: Okay. and finally, topic four. And we always talk about why aren't the vaccinations going a little faster than they are? Well, check out this story. Some companies are having to step up their vaccination promotion so much that they're going to pay them. Grocery store chain, Aldi, unveiling its plan to incentivize workers to take the virus, providing them with two hours of pay for each dose they receive, up to four hours total. They joined Dollar General, Trader Joe's, Instacart, as some of the companies incentivizing their employees to get the vaccine. And I think Julia Borston, this is the story that we don't talk about enough. There's problems in distribution, there's problems in supply, but the reality is there's a huge portion of the population that simply does not want to take it.
8: I I think you're right. And I think it's gonna be crucial, especially for these companies that have so many employees that are interfacing with consumers. It's gonna be crucial for them to be able to say, our employees have taken the vaccine, I think it absolutely makes sense to do whatever incentive necessary. And look, we have times when it's voting day. Companies say, we're going to give you the day off so you can go vote. We think this is an important thing to do. This is even more important to the future of our country in this very moment, the importance of making sure that all of those employees get vaccinated. And I think that we will see more and more companies take steps to provide incentives. I think there's a question, Brian, whether or not they can mandate it, but take a step towards it, like offering pay, offering time off to go get the vaccine, is all just another way to make sure yeah. that they're keeping their employees and their customers safe.
1: Well, and the question is, if it's not just incentivizing, can they fire them for not doing it at some point? That will be the next discussion. Either way, Julia Borston wins that round of rapid fire. And guys, I've got to issue a huge correction. I said the West German judge gave it a four. It was the East German judge, obviously our producer, who I think is actually from West Berlin, (laughs) gave that. So I just want to make sure I had that. My English is, how do you say, inelegant. Robert, Julia, Michael, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Should've just stuck with Bulgarian. Anyway, still ahead. Check out this mystery chart up more than 900% over the past six months. Wow. We're going to reveal the name and what could derail it. Next, Dow up 166. We're back after this. All right, welcome back to The Exchange. Let's take a look at the markets because they are starting off their holiday shortened week in a hot way. Not red hot, but good enough. We are seeing the Dow up 174 points, about 100 off its high, but still up half a percent. NASDAQ technology doing very well, up one and a half percent. And once again, It is energy that is actually outperforming. Communication, services, technology, and healthcare also doing well. Only three of the 11 sectors are down. All right, let's hit three big individual stock stories for you right now. Stock number one, look at General Motors Go, trading at all time high. This is on news that Cruise and GM are partnering with Microsoft to commercialize self-driving cars. Stock number two is GameStop, hitting a fresh record high today as well. still up double digits now, but the stock cutting back some of those earlier gains, this after Andrew Cit- or Citron Research tweeted that it would go back to 20 fast. And finally GameStop, by the way, up more than 900 percent in the past six months. That was your mystery chart. And take a look at stock number three. It is Blackberry. Yes? Blackberry and no, this is not a repeat show from 10 years ago. We are live. Blackberry's still a stock and having a great day up more than 20 or about 20 percent right now and Blackberry hitting its highest level in more than two years to just under 12 bucks. All right, still ahead. Goldman Sachs and Bank of America both reporting their results today and both handily beating earnings estimates but perhaps missing on revenues for B of A. We'll dig into these numbers and whether the run in banks and financials can keep going. Anton Schutz is next. And if you are getting out, don't forget you can watch us live on the go from anywhere on the CNBC app. Download it today, Exchange. We'll be right back. Well, don't look now but lately many bank stocks have been printing money for their investors the average move of a bank stock is a gain of 13 percent in the past couple of months and nine names are hitting new yearly or all-time highs today including some big non-bank financials like discover and ameriprise it should all make one man very happy joining us now is anton schutz Menden capital senior portfolio manager his firm focuses on the banks and the financials. Anton, good to see you again. I got to imagine you've been doing a lot of smiling over the last couple of months, and it's been a big mix, small banks, mid-sized. What do you think is behind the recent strength?
11: Well, uh, at the end of the day, the vaccine is behind the recent strength. Uh, All the stimulus is behind the recent strength. Uh, Clearly, you know, smiling lately, grimacing in the first half of last year in a big way as everybody expected the banking industry to collapse. And, you know, effective programs like Triple P have done an amazing job in propping up businesses. The stimulus programs have propped up individuals. Banks' credit quality has been much better than expected. I think the underwriting has been terrific. And and this time around, the banks have actually been part of the solution in distributing funds to, to businesses and people that need it, um, you know, rather than part of a problem. And I think that They're really well set up for a very strong GDP going forward.
1: And and there is is a weird side to the story, Anton. We all know it, no matter who our viewer are, wherever you are in the United States. There's probably a beloved local business or local restaurant that has gone under. And now the building is empty. And that's awful for those families. But there probably will be somebody coming in to try to build a new business in that space. Could that all, and that's that vaccine optimism you talked about, ultimately provide a surge In new law, I hate to say it that way, but you know what I'm getting at.
11: Yeah, no, I mean, you know, business startups have been really at records uh, as people are trying to go, look, there's an opportunity here or people who have gone out of business have tried to figure out how to remake themselves and look for the opportunities. And and, you know, the consumer has actually very deep pockets. They've saved a lot of this money. And the one benefit that really economists have not talked about a lot is the fact that almost everybody can refinance their mortgage and many have. And that saved them you know, many thousands of dollars and that ability to, to spend in the future is there. The pent-up demand is enormous. So yeah. the, the sooner we can get people reopened and out and comfortable uh, and we turn this, this table, the more the economy is gonna rip.
1: Yeah, and let's hope that it does. And unfortunately, a lot of businesses are struggling now, but the banks may benefit as they try to outfit new businesses. Anton, we got to leave it there. We had a packed show. We'll get you back on soon, get some of the smaller bank names that you like. Anton Schutz, Menden Capital Advisors. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that does it for us here on The Exchange. Nearly 15 million people in the United States have gotten their vaccinations. One of the top performing nations in the world. We'll get the state of the vaccination efforts at one New Jersey hospital coming up on Power Lunch, which begins right after the break. I'll see you tomorrow. Take care.
0: You've been listening to The Exchange. Make sure you're subscribed to get each episode every day, same time, same place.